Welcome. You're listening to Faith vs. Weight with Maria Bauer. Maria is a former U.S. Navy Health Information Systems Officer, current health and wellness coach, and author of the book, Faith vs. Weight, reminding you that you already have victory in Christ. As a National Academy of Sports Medicine certified personal trainer specializing in weight loss, fitness nutrition, behavioral change, and women's fitness, Maria is also a former Live Strong YMCA cancer survivor trainer. Now, here's your host, Maria Bauer. Hello and welcome. I am so excited to share week six of the following seven-week podcast series with you based on excerpts from my book, Faith vs. Weight, Inspired by the Word of God. Faith vs. Weight is a proven and practical health and wellness program that has helped many, just like you and me, achieve our weight loss victory. It's time to introduce our sixth biblical virtue of the week, hope. This podcast is about strengthening your hope in the Lord, along with practical action steps you can start applying today to improve your mood by paying attention to how you think, move, and eat. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. In 2017, the World Health Organization declared depression the number one illness worldwide, with anxiety as a close second. Breaking news tells us of celebrity suicides, with the overall suicide rate increasing dramatically. People who appear to have it all by this world's standards are in despair, including our youth. If you are having similar thoughts, please call 1-800-273-TALK. Why are so many of us depressed? Symptoms of depression and anxiety are related to a lack of hope. It turns out that hope is one of the things you and I need most. Not surprisingly, excess weight has been linked to both anxiety and depression. Are we anxious or depressed because we are fat? Or are we fat because we are anxious and or depressed? It doesn't matter. Whether your depression or anxiety is triggered by genetics, a biochemical imbalance, a stressful situation, or all of the above, these mood disorders are highly treatable. There is hope. But why have so many of us lost hope in the first place? We are looking for comfort from a world unable to give it. Your hope is not in this world. Your hope is in the Lord. If you get nothing else out of this podcast, please internalize the fact That feeling hopeless based on what the world has to offer is not only normal, it's biblical. Let's talk. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 1 John 4.4 Whatever the reason, people are still hesitant to talk about mental health as if they are the only one to ever go through these challenges another lie of the devil in order to isolate. You should know the numbers related to mental health diagnoses are even higher than those related to the obesity epidemic. So let's just get this out in the open. If you are suffering, please understand these four things. Number one, not only are you not alone, you are actually in the majority when it comes to diagnoses. The reason the numbers are so high is because many people believe there is no hope, which is another lie from the devil. Your hope comes from the Lord. Number two, 
the one who is in you is greater than any of your symptoms. Again, the one who is in you is greater than any of your symptoms. Number three, this is only a snapshot of your life. Regardless of how long you have been suffering, it is not the whole movie. Please don't miss out on the best parts. Your future has not even started. Number four, you are only one phone call or click away from getting the help you need. There are many trained, licensed Christian counselors who are available for sessions by phone if you prefer not to physically go in for a consult. Check with your local Bible-believing church for references. And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? Matthew six twenty-seven. It is very easy to be overwhelmed by this world's problems if your hope is not in the Lord. As I wrote my book that the podcast is based on, another school shooting was in the news. This one happened 30 minutes from my childhood home. It's hard to have hope in the midst of such unfathomable tragedy. Why does God allow bad things to happen to good, innocent people? At first glance, it seems like we live in chaos. We see lives and dreams cut short, leaving precious families and an entire nation crying out in mourning. The people who commit these atrocities have bought into Satan's lie that they have no hope. The only saving faith is that which casts itself on God for life or death, Martin Luther. When it comes to your faith, you will either cleave or leave in moments of crisis. You will either go deeper in your relationship with Jesus or abandon it. Either way, God is still on the throne. He will show you comfort and mercy in unimaginable ways if you let Him. Our job is to love and spread hope to those who are hurting in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, instead of wasting time and fear and worry. If Satan can't get you to outright deny God, he will do his best to render you ineffective. Deceiving you into worry is one of his best tactics to manipulate you. When you worry, you cannot spread hope, as the two cannot coexist. Satan wants you to believe your life is at the mercy of others, but your Creator wants you to know you have security in Him alone. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Matthew 10.28 In one of the oldest books of the Bible dealing with hope, we encounter this subject with Job. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Job 1.3 Job's story touches on all of life's toughest questions. Job was a good, upright man, obedient to the Lord. Satan dared God to take away everything, family, livelihood, and property from Job because he was convinced once Job lost everything, he would curse God to his face. In the midst of tragedy, Job was faced with the decision to leave or cleave. Although his tragedy was unfathomable, he chose the latter. Instead of cursing God, Job worshipped him. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job one twenty one. After Job was inflicted with boils, Job's wife finally said, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Job still refused to curse God. 
Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Job 2.10. Wow, what a statement. When his friends heard how great Job's suffering was, they sat with him for seven days without speaking. Soon after, Job's friends assumed he must have done something terribly wrong to bring this calamity on himself. Yet Job still spoke as if God had the power to deliver him. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. Job 19.25 In the meantime, Job answered his critics. He maintained he was not at fault, but he struggled and he suffered. He also prayed for relief, but none came. You would think he would have long given up on God by now, but Job remained faithful. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job 23.12 Finally, the Lord came out of a storm. To ultimately explain to Job, there were certain things he would never understand this side of heaven. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Job 38, 4-7. And on it went. The message here is that the faster we recognize we are not God and He is, the faster we will stop trying to figure out things we are not meant to figure out this side of heaven. If we can't even understand how the existing things we see and interact with on a daily basis came into being, how can we expect to understand the how or why of these other things that occur? Finally, Job put his hand over his mouth in complete awe. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Job 45. Here are the five things about hope that I learned from Job. They helped me to better understand not understanding. Number one, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Job 42.2 No matter what anyone does to you or your family, God's plan for your life and your children will not be thwarted. He knows the number of your days as well as what He is calling you and your children to complete in the time allotted. He also has plans for you and your family in heaven. His view can be compared to one similar of a parent's who can see the bigger picture a child is not quite able to wrap his head around yet. Number two, surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Job 42, 3. Job realizes he has no idea of how God does things or why he allows certain things. None of us do. It is not necessary because we are not God. We must trust God and not our circumstances since we don't have the knowledge of the breadth or the depth of God's plan. There are many people who are depressed and anxious because they are unable to accept that there are certain things they will never understand this side of heaven. Spending time lamenting this reality during our short time on earth is futile. Number three, 
Things too wonderful for me. Job 42, 3. You are better off spending time in awe of the majesty of the glory of God and His creation. I heard it said once, why do good things happen to bad people? Because basically, we all begin in sin, yet God continues to love us and nourish us and allow us to flourish every day. If you fail to look at creation and all of the good that God does do, you will limit your view of His omnipotence. This leads you to assume He can't fix your problem or heal you. By assuming His reactions and responses should match ours instead of ours aspiring to be more like His, a storehouse of blessings is often left on the table. Job's hope remained in God, even though he didn't know what God was doing or how he was going to do it. Even if God did nothing, Job's hope still remained in the Lord. Number four, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. Job 42, four, God listens. He wants you to talk to him. You will have to answer him at some point. He longs to reveal to you what you need to hear when you need to hear it. He wants you to flourish. Number five, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job 42, five through six. For lack of a better word, you and I will be awestruck in the presence of the Lord. In His presence, we will repent because we will be overwhelmed by His purity. Yet He can still see our puny remnant of goodness. Even though there were times Job felt forgotten and persecuted, he was always esteemed in the eyes of the Lord. Because of this, the Lord healed Job and blessed him with more children, seven sons and three daughters, while restoring twice the number of livestock he previously owned. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. Job 42.12 Although Job was greatly rewarded, this was not the point of Job's suffering. He was not suffering in order to get more stuff or replace a family he could never replace. Job suffered for two reasons. First, to glorify God, and second, to take his intimacy with God to the next level. This also prepared Job to take on greater things. The same applies to you and me. In order to do all God has called you to do for His glory and your good, we will suffer. This happens for the same two reasons, as an opportunity for God to manifest His glory and as an opportunity for us to gain an insight we are unable to gain any other way. This also prepares us to take on greater things for the kingdom. Suffering is a part of our sanctification. The key is to cleave when you are suffering Do not let go of God. Do not let Him go until your trial restores your hope. Do not let Him go until He blesses you. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Genesis 32, 26. Better yet, do not let Him go ever. The view only gets better. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what He has done for my soul. 
Psalm 66:16. Whatever you are currently going through now is just a snapshot compared to the rest of your life, both here on earth and beyond. It doesn't matter how old you are or what your current stage of life is. Your symptoms are not who you are. Your symptoms are not your destiny. He still plans to give you a hope and a future. Although I did not have access to counseling as a child growing up in an abusive home, I spent two years in counseling as an adult. It was one of the best decisions I ever made. My only regret is that I didn't do it sooner. I was then able to release my past and embrace my future. That same freedom is available to you. I remember being an overweight, awkward middle schooler dealing, or rather not dealing, with depression after my parents' divorce. I was trying to find my new equilibrium while still caught up in the middle of their various stages of anger. However, the timing of what occurred right after their divorce was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. I became the target of mean girl bullying from those who were previously my best friends. From that day forward, school was no longer an escape from home life. It became another lonely and fearful place for me. Later that same year, I was assaulted by three teenage boys who I knew during an attempted rape that I narrowly escaped, although it was a miracle that I got away. This trifecta of events left me with a type of post-traumatic stress, losing hope in family and friends. I eventually lost hope in myself. I cried myself to sleep many nights until I finally stopped crying. I was depressed. Depression is an ominous feeling of being hyper-focused on an isolating despair that is based on a limited perception. We only see what we are currently focused on, and even that is narrow and gloomy, hence the term tunnel vision. Because of this limited view, I did not see the prayer warriors who prayed for me as if their life depended on it when it was actually mine that did. I also believe that because of their prayers, an angel of the Lord prompted my friend's older brother to walk around the corner at precisely the right time, sparing me from being raped by the three teenagers. Prayer protected me in other ways as well. It took a few years and things got worse before they got better. This is usually the time when people are tempted to give up on prayer because they start wondering whether or not prayer is working. However, this is precisely the time prayer is needed the most. Because of the stalwart prayers of others, I finally realized my only hope was in the Lord. Depression is not a faith issue. It is a hope issue. This is why a lack of hope is listed as one of the main symptoms. Sometimes you just need to storm heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Matthew 18.20 In the meantime, ask others to storm heaven on your behalf. Ask them to pray for you. If you don't know anyone who can pray for you, or you do not feel comfortable asking, prayer request hotlines are available all over the country. If you do not know where to start, Prestonwood Baptist Church has online prayer requests available through their prayer ministry at Prestonwood.org. Even better, set aside a time with friends to pray for each other over a weekly coffee. Bible studies at local churches are not only a great way to learn the Bible, they are also a wonderful way to meet some real prayer warriors. Do not underestimate the power of prayer. Prayer moves mountains. 
before you assume your situation is too hopeless for even prayer, where else do you plan on going for hope? Nobody is selling it. Drugs can make you feel better temporarily until they make you feel worse. But even drugs do not give hope. Hope only comes from the Lord. So when should you give up on prayer? Do we pray only if our circumstances are improving or getting worse? Both. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Psalm 116.2 Even within healthy family situations with no additional trauma, the preteen through adult years are difficult. Because of the lack of perspective along with hormones, the combined feeling of isolation and despair that can be experienced both at home and at school is often intensified. Yet these years are only a snapshot compared to the rest of your life. However, many people allow these years to wreak havoc for the rest of their lives. Your past does not need to ruin your future. The takeaway here is that this is true of depression regardless of what age it happens. Even if you have chronic depression, this is not who you are. These are symptoms you are experiencing. It is not a foregone conclusion that you will be depressed the rest of your life. Besides counseling, appropriate medication, and prayer, lifestyle can play a significant role as we will cover later in this podcast. Just as your choices add up when it comes to your state of physical health, your choices also add up when it comes to your mental health. At the time of my depression, I felt completely hopeless, as if there was no point in going on. I wanted to end it all, but my future had not even started. Neither has yours. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Psalm 121. One. Whatever your current situation, Satan wants you to believe your current view is as good as it gets, just like he did with Job. This is a lie. You still have mountains to climb with some breathtaking views up ahead. Depression and anxiety fueled by fear are his specialties designed to try to keep you from your mountaintop experience. He wants you to believe there is no hope. Before you take this personally, this actually has nothing to do with you. It is God he is after. That is why the battle is the Lord's, not yours. So is the victory. Are you stuck? Depression or anxiety may be a major factor hindering your weight loss efforts. I have not taught a single class where these issues have not come up repeatedly. I have heard devastating stories of suffering from my clients concerning abuse, rape, etc., However, there is also suffering associated with job loss, divorce, disease, wayward teenagers, multiple miscarriages, abortions, and childlessness. I pray with my clients. I have also cried and laughed with them. Yet the final answer never changes. If you need help, get it. First, as in all things, ask Jesus to heal you. And second, pray for wise counsel. Then have others storm heaven on your behalf. Many people think they are too far gone or their problem is too mundane. Both are lies from the devil. As you listen to this podcast, I want you to ask yourself if any of the areas mentioned are ones that may be holding you back. If so, it's time to get help. Here is the $64 million question when it comes to whether or not you need counseling. Are you stuck? How long have you been stuck? Are you able to get unstuck on your own?
So when should you go to counseling? If you are in need of help and are waiting to feel more hopeful before you ask for it, you may be waiting a long time. Since depression, if ignored, can worsen over time, the sooner you get help, the better. Nobody feels like going to get help. But once you get the help, you will wonder why you waited so long. In order to have hope, we may also need to forgive others, God and ourselves. At a minimum, most people need some type of support in order to forgive and be forgiven. This type of fellowship is fostered within a church community as God intended. However, in some cases, we need more. One-on-one sessions with trained professionals can help you identify and release strongholds that are holding you back with regard to your faith and your weight. If necessary, they can also refer you to specialists who deal with eating disorders. Surprisingly, the root cause of chronic overeating rarely has anything to do with food. I didn't see counseling until I realized I was stuck. Although I was successful by worldly measures, issues I had not dealt with from my childhood were repeatedly sabotaging my happiness and relationships as an adult. I finally realized if my car was broken, I needed a mechanic. If my lights were out, I had to call the power company. So if I was emotionally stuck and living in my own created misery, I needed counseling. Most people do not like to admit to this or actually go through it. It's kind of like physical therapy. It hurts in the beginning while you are first drudging up the injury. But the end goal is to get you back in the game stronger than ever. Therapy is not meant to make you wallow in your most painful topic with no end in sight. It is meant to get to the root cause of the issue and then give you the practical tools to set you free. Where else can you voice your struggles? To an understanding ear engaged in listening, not judging you, while also providing you with the tools necessary to move forward. Ask around for a Christian counselor who is trusted. Let me know if they have other openings so I can sign up again soon. Beyond medication and counseling, there are three key lifestyle factors you can significantly upgrade in the meantime to dramatically improve your state of mind. Number one, how you think. Number two, how you move. Number three, how you eat. There is good news on all three fronts. Each day we learn more about how our thoughts, movement, and food intake can influence our biochemistry just like our biochemistry can influence our thoughts. Let's start with some simple, everyday action steps to help ensure a positive outcome with number one, how you think. It is an assumption that people are born with healthy thought patterns. Even if someone grows up in a healthy, loving atmosphere, there are still biochemical factors at play and they change. Also, we are born with original sin. As if that isn't enough, there is Satan who is always on the prowl, constantly looking to poison people's thoughts. So after getting medically evaluated, what can you do about this? What can you do to get your hopes up in general? Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Philippians 4, 8. This is probably one of the most compelling reasons to start your day off on a high note with the Lord. Even 
If you take precautions to focus on the right things, you are not in control of whatever else gets dumped on you during the day. It is imperative that you start off on a high note. As for the rest of your day, you have to be your own gatekeeper to the extent you can, especially if you are prone to anxiety or depression. Starting the day with negativity is only going to make things worse. The Bible continually talks about anxiety and fear because those are the two weapons most used against you. And the only way to successfully combat them is through the word of God. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Psalm 1-2. The only God-anointed way to control your thoughts is by meditating on his word. This may sound like an overly simplified answer to a complex problem. That is because it is. Why make things more complicated than they need to be? Do we actually need to add more complication to our lives? Just for argument's sake, let's consider our alternatives. What else are you going to spend time meditating on? The news? Your fledgling career? Your finances? Your broken relationships? Just like Satan, all of these under-deliver, whereas God's Word does the opposite. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Psalm 107.20 What about your fears? A client has allowed me to share her story regarding panic attacks with the hope that her testimony will help others. This client has three children born with special needs. The stress was overwhelming. Every night she would wake up in a panic, convinced she was going to die from a heart attack. The ER staffs of all the local hospitals knew her by name, and these are her words. Then one night, and I quote, After running to every hospital facility in town, I finally knew I was not in control of whether or not I lived or died. During a panic attack, I sat in a chair shaking all over with my heart pounding as if I were running a race in the Olympics. I held onto the chair and I repeatedly said, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and he comforted me. The attack would then begin to subside and I would function again, this time without running to the hospital. Every time after that, I grabbed a chair and sat when the panic attacks started. I called on God. Eventually, I got better and better. I no longer have these panic attacks. If I feel a small panic attack trying to overwhelm me, I rebuke it. And it disappears immediately. I rebuke the devil. I have not had a panic attack in years. Thank you, God. I truly believe without God's intervention, I may have taken my life. Panic attacks are so real. They are truly not something you overcome without help from God. Now I am very peaceful and thankful that he healed me from these attacks. End quote. You who have shown me great and severe battles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Psalm 71, 20 through 21. God works. 
And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28 Many who struggle with depression and anxiety second-guess whether or not God's plan for their life is good. Even if it seems as if nothing else is working, God is working for your good. Your road to recovery starts with believing God is working on your behalf. If you need help believing this, God already has someone picked out for you to talk to. It may be a family member, friend, pastor, or a healthcare provider. This is the first step toward your recovery. With God, there are no hopeless situations. Here are some other tips to get you started. Number one, use worship music. When King Saul was plagued by an evil spirit, he had David play his lyre. As a matter of fact, David was specifically brought there to play music. Music can bring relief to mood disorders. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. 1 Samuel 16, 23. Number two, pick inspirational Bible verses. Put them on your calendar or phone. Write them on note cards, whatever it takes. Memorize them so they can uplift you during difficult times. Number three, listen to or go to church. If you cannot attend regular church services, watch online. Prestonwood.churchonline.org offers live streaming. Eventually, it will be time to accept a friend's invitation to church. You can always sit in the back row. Being with people may be the last thing on your mind, but there is nothing like being lifted up by others singing praises to God. It's like an out-of-body experience. We are created to worship and have fellowship with others. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Proverbs 12.25 Next, we're going to talk about technology and media. It is now the norm to be bombarded with negative messages from media, then sit all day at work only to sit more while stressed out in traffic while eating junk. Is it any wonder why so many people are miserable? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. John 14, 27. There is something much more insidious going on with the constant barrage of negative information we take in that most people are oblivious to. We all know time spent in front of a screen makes you less active and more prone to weight gain. However, nobody really talks about what happens when we are bombarded with bad, often violent news from local and world sources real-time from our televisions, computer screens, phones, and watches 24-7. On the milder side of tech, we are constantly being interrupted with another text or email request trying to fit one more thing into an already cramped schedule. Throw in some traffic with everyone texting at the same time, and you have the perfect storm. We live in an anxious world. If you happen to be a caretaker, you are also anxious about those who are in your charge. You would think, after all this, we would recognize the need for a break 
Instead of recharging by relaxing or going for a walk and unplugging during our free time, we compare our life to everyone else's through the reliable source of social media. Everyone else seems to have it all together. Once we get through picking ourselves apart, we turn to entertainment to feel better, which is now mostly based on shock value. We either play a moral game of limbo, lowering the bar of what is left of our standards with each new television season, or we settle for binge-watching one crime scene after another of people hurting themselves or others. Every person I know who watches these shows for entertainment later tells me they have nightmares. Doesn't sound like much fun to me. Most people have no idea they are overeating because they are anxious, stressed, or depressed, exacerbated by their own media choices. They also have no idea of how their media choices and 24-7 access to technology are instigating and aggravating these conditions. I believe one of the biggest reasons we treat ourselves with food is because we are looking to take the edge off of our self-induced anxiety. Carbohydrates increase serotonin and dopamine levels. Why do you think we call them comfort foods? On the other hand, I believe going too low carb may cause as much anxiety as going too much. That's why the Faith versus Weight Plan discussed in week one is a moderate carb diet with a twist. Ever talk to a friend on a low carb diet during her time of the month? While a diet of refined carbohydrates and sugars, which are also carbohydrates, gives you the additional excitement of a blood sugar roller coaster ride leading to a crash that only exacerbates anxiety and the lows of depression. Combine this with watching the news and upsetting media, and you have a fat cocktail of toxic chemicals swirling around, contributing to the obesity epidemic. I often tell my clients, I only watch the news when I am doing indoor exercise so I can expel the negative energy on a treadmill or a bike, but only after I spend time with the Lord. The good news is that we were not created to be bombarded with this world's problems all day, every day, from the minute we wake up until our eyes glaze over and we pass out on the couch. Thank God he has not given us his job. This does not mean we should turn a blind eye. However, when it comes to protecting your mental health, if you don't do it, nobody else will. And you can wind up getting so stressed out, you are actually ineffective, in some cases paralyzed when it comes to helping others. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Most people do not realize the toxic effect all of this noise has on their behavior. Eating ice cream while sitting on your couch, hearing about yet another victim of a senseless crime, does not have the same effect as a day trip to the spa. A healthy diet and the right type of exercise, such as aerobic training like walking, calms a body down. In some cases, it has been shown to be as successful as medication when treating mild depression. Millions of dollars are being spent on studies to prove exercise should be available as a treatment for those suffering with mild depression. Are you kidding me? You can wait for those results, or you can do a lot to keep yourself in the right frame of mind by starting your day with the Lord and guarding yourself from unnecessary fodder.
Then go for a walk. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. John 16:33. When it's time to say good night. I read note cards of past Bible verses I have memorized or meditated on. This works much better than falling asleep to crime scenes. Instead, this is like reading an old friend at the end of the day. It puts things in an eternal perspective, helping me to realize this too shall pass. For bigger issues, I write in my journal. This helps me to leave it all at the foot of the cross. It is fun to go back later and see how situations I once thought were insurmountable turn out to be chump change for the hand of God. You can start this tonight. As you find Bible verses that bring you peace, copy them on a note card and place them by your bedside. You can start with the book of Psalms. Number two, how you eat. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Romans 8.32 Food and mood are linked. It's no accident he has graciously given you all you need in the food he made to sustain a healthy mood. However, we are tempted all day by junk every day. Bring on the chocolate-covered glazed donuts. Food is easy, cheap, fast, and a great distraction. It is all fun and games until somebody gets hurt with illnesses like diabetes, heart disease, and excess weight. It also affects your state of mind. In some cases, depending on what you are eating, food is the most accessible drug around. Besides the problems associated with weight, it can exacerbate depression and anxiety. Junk food does not alleviate your pain. It makes depression and anxiety worse. Besides exercise, real food makes a tremendous difference in keeping your brain healthy. Omega-3s and coconut butter or oil substituted for other fats seem to be high on the list for making your brain happy, while olive oil seems to be good for both your brain and your heart. Vitamin D and the B vitamins play a huge role when it comes to mood. It is worth having your doctor check your vitamin and mineral levels. What you eat affects your mood more than you realize, since it can also influence your hormone levels. Listen up, people. Blaming all of your problems on hormones is not the answer if you are eating junk food all day. Eat the rainbow instead. Plenty of fruit and vegetables. This is not negotiable when you are suffering from depression or anxiety. You cannot expect your brain to perform happily when you don't put happy in it. Studies show people are just plain happier when they eat more fruits and vegetables. Do we really need more data on this one? Fish also seems to affect mood more positively than other proteins, most likely because of the omega-3. You are your own chemistry set. How you run this chemistry experiment will determine the outcome. I notice a distinct difference in my mood after going a day of eating the SAD, otherwise known as the standard American diet. I cannot sustain the SAD without feeling miserable physically and mentally. Most people do not even realize the SAD can cause physical and mental misery. Beyond momentary enjoyment, you need to look at food as if it is a drug. 
because in many cases it is. This is no longer about not being able to fit into your skinny jeans. This is about feeling sluggish most of the time. Unfortunately, sluggish is a state of being for many people. They don't even realize it. For many people, sluggish will eventually lead to depressed. We wind up needing larger or more frequent hits to keep ourselves up. This feeling is not a joyfully calm or peaceful existence. It is more of a hyper feeling of crash and burn. Processed junk foods also exacerbate other diagnoses for adults and children, complicating issues that are already hard enough to diagnose and treat. Eating poorly is like throwing logs into the fireplace of inflammation. Food and mood may also affect our other addictions. Most inpatient treatment centers for drug and alcohol advocate eating healthy. Balanced meals at regular intervals help even out withdrawal symptoms. Number three, how you move. Get outside in the sunlight every day for five to 10 minutes, at least three times a day. Sunlight makes a difference. If you are swamped, return phone calls as you walk outside the building. When it comes to your mood, the evidence in favor of being outside is overwhelmingly positive. If you are able to walk, bike, or enjoy another outdoor exercise, this is even better. Pets are also amazing companions for depression and binge eating disorders. They help you focus on something other than your symptoms. A light box may be something to explore if you are not in a part of the country where it is sunny. Pay attention to how you think, move, and eat, and watch what happens. The view only gets better. Here are some closing thoughts. We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Romans 5, 3-4 Do you believe the Lord has plans to prosper you and not harm you? Plans to give you a hope and a future? Are you dealing with anxiety or depression? Are you getting the help you need? First, as in all things, ask Jesus to heal you. And second, pray for wise counsel. Have others storm heaven on your behalf. Do you recognize that your symptoms are not your destiny? The one who is in you is greater than any of your symptoms. Your problem is not permanent. No matter what age you are, your future has not even started. Do you trust God enough to forgive him, someone else, and or yourself? Will you allow God to heal you? Will you allow him to turn it to good? How much of your future are you willing to waste on your past? Listen to worship music to change your brain. Meditate on God's word in order to lift your mood and your life. Put key verses on your phone or on index cards. Start and end your day on a high note. Listen or attend church services. You can always sit in the back. Tune out excessive tech and media so you can tune in to peace. View food as a drug because in most cases it is. Eat the rainbow. Enjoy healthy fats for your brain. Get a physical and have your vitamin and hormone levels checked. Stop blaming your hormones 
on all of your problems if you are eating junk food all day. Move your body to uplift your spirit. Enjoy small, frequent doses of sunlight. Focus on what brings you hope, Bible, real food, and moderate exercise. I can't wait to hear how this podcast series changes your life. Join the Faith vs. Weight podcast group on Facebook, a place for Faith vs. Weight podcast listeners to share their journey. If you enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. They are based on excerpts from my book, Faith vs. Weight, available at Amazon, the Prestonwood Bookstore, and Barnes & Noble, Beltline Road, Dallas. Thank you for listening to Faith vs. Weight, reminding you that you already have victory in Christ. To keep up with Maria's class offerings, speaking engagements, or just to follow Maria on social, check out mariabauer.com. Consult your physician before starting any weight loss or exercise program.